welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So, I haven't been covering a whole lot of episodes recently because been, there's been a lot going on, but I decided to go ahead and cover this episode that I've been really thinking about for a very long time and thought I'd go ahead and talk about it. We've all heard about a thing called white privilege. We've heard about um, the, the racial or ethical gap in pay, right? And about how that this is probably, you know, something we need to fix. So I thought I'd dive into it because whenever I hear from the left, or political left, I should say, I know that there's probably something that's not there that is just not being talked about or whatnot. So, as always, I dive into it. Now, if you're politically aggravated at this point or you are easily triggered whatsoever to the idea of the political left or just hearing about politics and about economy economics, you might want to go ahead and turn off this podcast. But if you're interested like I am, then go ahead and keep tuning in. So... Income inequality in America's racial and ethnical groups. Again, this is premised off the idea of a thing called white privilege. Now, what exactly is this white privilege? Well, it's interesting because I actually came across a lot of this information about what people would call white privilege. Well, the idea of racial, um, of being, you know, white privilege really comes from the political left. And it is teaching that for hundreds, if not thousands of years, the um, these white male in power and structure and control, and that they've controlled the media and distribution of information, and that by having your being white, it means that you have privileges in life that other ethnicities do not have, and that since you are white, you need to recognize your privilege, and therefore, you have to. I don't know, like pay retributions to the to blacks, and there's a whole entire thing that I can talk about when it comes down to white privilege. Now, here's a problem with white privilege. It comes from the radical left. I say radical left, but I just call them the left because a lot of them think exactly the same way. That this white privilege, you need to recognize that you have it, recognize that you are you've been treated differently. But the big question I always raise is, apart from trying to divide America racially black versus white which is what the political left and democrats are trying to do right now i like and say okay let's look let's take away from the politics let's look actually what it is so i pulled up pew research and i was looking up for basically information when it came down to it, and i found a july 12 2018 um study that was found and taken uh between 20 and 2016 about income inequality it was interesting. They've actually point Pew Research actually says the income inequality in the United States is now greatest among Asians. In 2016, the latest year for which data are available, Asians near the top of their income distribution, the 90th percentile, had incomes at 10.7 times greater than the incomes of Asians near the bottom of their income distribution. The 10th percentile, the 10, 90 to 10 ratio, among Asians are notably greater than among blacks at 9.8%, whites at 7.8%, and Hispanics at 7.8%. This is huge. So this idea, so what I'm looking at here, and this is a, a chart that goes between 1970 to 2016. Now, yes, Asians were at the very lowest. Uh, Asian um, Americans were at the lowest when they had a 6.1%, but now they're at 10.7%. Blacks went from 9.1 to 98 all others really went between nine, uh, 6.9 to 8.7. Whites and Hispanics are the same. In fact, the Hispanics have met up with the whites and are slightly surpassed. Well, they're actually, at this point in the, in the data series, 
is at 7.8. Now it could have changed because it's obviously 2020. But this is what I found on Pew Research as they did this, re um, doing more. They're trying to collect more data from 2017 on 20, uh, 2020. Now here's an interesting thing. Income inequality amongst Asians in the U.S. nearly doubled from 1970 to 2016. The, t um, the top to bottom income ratio among Asians increased 77% between 1970 to 1916, a far greater increase than among whites of 24%, Hispanics of 15%, or blacks at 7%. As a result, Asian display, um, displaces blacks as the most economically divided or racial ethical group in the United States. So when they talk about this whole whites are superior than blacks and whatnot, realistically we find this, Asians are better off than blacks. Right? Asians... Um, at 10.7%, blacks at 9.8%, it says all at 8.7%, and then whites and Hispanics are together at 7.8%. There is no white privilege when it comes down to, in, in, um, to the economy. According to Pew Research, there is none. There is a huge wealth gap, but the Asian, uh, Asian people are doing better. Blacks are doing better. So this idea of white privilege is premised on a racial idea. It was premised, as we've all, I've known, and I'm just telling you, and, and you probably undoubtedly already know this too, that it's premised on racism. You know, this idea of white privilege is to shame white people, to try to shame them as much as possible, make blacks into people who are victims, and everyone else into victims, and then turn everyone against each other. You know, the blacks are suffering because the whites have privilege that the blacks don't, and you need to hate the, blacks need to hate the whites. Because even though they don't say that, and they say, we're just trying to find equality, it's never been about equality. Just like the protesting and the rights had never been about racism. Never has. Here's something interesting. You ever notice that they tear down all the American monuments and statues, yet they leave the Marxist statues alone? Ever find it interesting that the co-founder of um, Black Lives Matter has come out publicly and said that they are trained Marxists? Ever found it interesting that Hollywood elitists are left alone because they're very far to the left and they and they preach um, liberalism and they're far, hardcore Democrats? Have you ever noticed the people who are top one percenters who are uh, Republicans and voted for Trump are the ones being targeted? Do you really think this has anything to do with racism? No, of course it doesn't. It has nothing to do with racism. It has everything to do with a political movement. This is Marxism. This is attack from Antifa, Black Lives Matter, who have a Marxist ideology pushed by the Democrats. I had a friend, um, Stuart Connectly, over in New Canaan, Connecticut, who his friend actually sent money to the Black Lives Matter just to see where the money would end up. And when they were tracing the money, guess where they found it was going? It wasn't going to Black Lives Matter. It was going to the DNC. And for those who don't know what DNC stands for, it's called, it's called the Democratic National Committee. Now, who controls the Democratic National Committee? Who bought them out? Because they went bankrupt in 2016 for the election. That's when Hillary lost. She, everything was bankrupt. Hillary Clinton, she bought them out. She owns the DNC. So all the money that you're sending is going to Hillary Clinton's pocket. Right then and there. I look at this and, and it, it just scares me. This whole idea of our country is so racist is built on a lie. Are we a perfect country? Not by a long shot. Are we the greatest country in the world? Absolutely, we're the greatest country in the world. We fought a civil war to end slavery. We have passed amendments to stop. I know when they, when I hear a lot of people talk about institutional racism, 
And I've asked many of my pastor friends, even my other friends, about, okay, point out a law that in its very nature is inherently racist, and we'll fight it. Guess how many uh, laws I've found that these guys have brought forward? None. I can't find any. I encourage you, if you find some, you can go to my YouTube channel and post them on the comments page. I don't ever see anyone posting anything. Can't find it. This whole entire area of white privilege, liberalism, Antifa, and Black Lives Matter is, is an invented idea. It is for absolute control where Marxism is trying to invade our country. Actually, Marxism has always been in our country. It's so funny. I, I remember hearing, um, hearing family telling me about how in 1989 the Berlin Wall fell. Or I think it was like 1988, 1990, uh, 1990, 1988 or 1989, the Berlin Wall fell. And it was, the mark, it was a mar, um, the mark of the end of communism. Now when you look at 2020, I go, you're full of crud. Communism never died with the fall of the Berlin Wall. It came here with Solinsky. <laughs> there are lots of people. I mean, lots of people came over who are now communists here. You go to the colleges and it's the same thing. Marxism. They And, and they remove the Bible out of the situation. They don't want God involved. And then they attack every, everyone who doesn't agree with them. I mean, this is... I remember I was talking to my father-in-law. He even said that this is... They had a news article about this. About someone who came from Venezuela. And he said, this is exactly how Venezuela started right before it fell. To communism. Literally just like this. So yeah, I look at these rioters. I look at um, Black Lives Matter. I look at Antifa. I look at you know the racial issues. I look at white privilege. And it has nothing to do with race. This has nothing to do with it. Because when we walk away from that and look at the facts about what they're talking about, they're full of crud. They're full of horse poo. There's nothing that's true about what they're saying. It's all about dominance, control, and the rise of Marxism. They want to destroy America, completely and utterly destroy America. And then they want to replace it. They want to, for anyone who disagrees with them, they want to go after them and get them fired from their jobs. They want to socialize, the, um, do socialization of capital. They want um, anyone who is, they want to get everyone on their side. And, and here's the crazy part, they want a new world order behind everything they want a one world government which is going right into it right into the biblical idea what's crazy is antifa and black lives matter treat it where you're either antifa or you are with the other fascists and they'll list you as a fascist so again these things like i've questioned black lives matter when it comes down to their ideas i've questioned white privilege but if you're, here's the crazy part whenever i've questioned them they've always been very aggressive in attacking so I know it has nothing to do with, you know, we just want racial equality. <laughs> That's, it's, it's like when you watch Star Wars and you see, you know, Palpatine. It's only a face versus who he actually is. So I look at this and I think to myself, then, if communism, since I see it, I can't say if, I'd say communism is trying to destroy America. Coming up, we're going to have a heck of a fight. Coming up, it's going to be civil war. Biden wins, civil war will reign. Trump wins, and he decides to do something, then we probably won't have civil war. But it's not going to be pretty one way or the other. What I'm looking at ultimately is this upcoming election. And this is not we we I don't want to focus on saying that we need to look at our politicians for our answers. Our politicians have failed a lot of different ways. Democrats have only increased Antifa and Black Lives Matter power, 
and have not done anything to stop them, have actually encouraged them and attacked anyone who disagrees with them. And a lot of Republicans have bowed down, while Republican politicians have bowed down to the, to the crowd. When we were at our weakest moment, this was the time for them to stand up. They refused to. They didn't stand up. They're not leaders. They never have been. They're, I know they're human, but this is, this is where true colors start showing. Coming up is civil war. I don't mean like just up inside of a debate room and screaming at each other and flinging papers. I mean, it's going to come down to bullets. It's how it started. It's how our last civil war started. It's how every major war of this nature has ever started. And it, and I've had that come to Jesus moment where I've had to live my life where I'm going, you know, I, I never want to see it from this point of view. I always thought, you know, it's just a fad. It's going to be there one week, two weeks, maybe a month, two months if extremely lucky, and then it's going to fade away. But as I come more and more to looking at this information and praying over it and looking more and more, the more I'm realizing, this isn't a fad, guys. This isn't some thing that happened in the 60s and went away in the hippie generation, whatever. This is literally our country is at stake. Now, if you're like, you know, seven years old, you're an older parent, like your children are 30 odd years old or hot or older, you don't have to worry about really a much. You probably won't live that long, to be honest. This war will be fought, not by the boomer generation, but by the millennial generation. And Generation X, or Z, whatever they call themselves now. My children, my children's children. Me, my children, my children's children will have to fight this. It's kind of it's kind of one of those moments when I was actually hearing about how even family of mine was talking about how this is going to happen. How the war was happening. They knew it. They're all stockpiling. And I thought to myself... You had, and, and I'm thinking to myself, you never warned us. Because we're kind of the boomer generation. You didn't, you didn't warn us. You put your faith in democracy for to end communism. You've put your faith in, let's just cast the vote, they'll go away. That was the biggest lie you've ever thrown at us. It's a huge lie. Yeah, we cast a vote, but <laughs> bureaucracy, they don't care. They snuck these people in under the rug. It's kind of like you expect you know the free market to work beautifully and that people sell things under you know in the black market all the time i think i'm getting ahead of myself here though in essence these racial these racial divides are not because these people want ra racial justice that may be the the forefront of this i mean well not even the forefront that may just be a picture they're painting but a picture is only skin deep this won't end it won't not until we as a nation stand up not as soon as our leaders stop decide to be pansies and and sit there and cower in fear. Oh my gosh, what if they target me next? Well, you know what? <laughs> I remember I was listening to uh, um, Behind the Mask, or Beyond the Mask. And it was with Ben, ben Franklin in it. And they were talking about, you know, uh, it's a really great movie. And Ben Franklin, the character the guy who was playing the character Ben Franklin, was asked, Are you, he says, I'm going to go to Continental Congress and tell them about what's happening. And, uh, you know, if I shall return, if I live. And he goes, are you in danger, sir? Ben Franklin said, I am always in danger. But he who sacrifices liberty for little security deserves neither and loses both. It's not time for us to start cowering and going, well, we need security from our government. We want to live comfortably. Coming up, you're not going to have the luxury of living comfortably. Coming up, you're not going to have the luxury of 
of of any of those things. You sacrifice your liberty for a little bit of security from the government. You are going to get nothing back. You're going to lose your liberty. You're going to lose your security. You're going to lose everything. Now, what I'm telling you is probably going to be very taboo to hear. You know, you'll probably hear, oh, you're a warmonger. You just think that there's a civil war coming out, all these crazy weirdos. But I go, well, no. It's, it's not crazy to think that at all. Look around you. Pull your head out of your rectum here and there. Breathe the air. Look around you. The rioting? Marxists standing up? People demanding this to happen? Black Lives Matter saying if you don't give in to our demands, we're going to burn your country to the ground? Antifa ready to kill anyone? I mean, <laughs> it's like having a gigantic tsunami heading for you and breaking and destroying everything and you're in still denial over it. You know, it's in, I was praying about, like, what, what, do we, what do we do? The only way I can think of is only one thing we can do as a nation, as a world. Lock and load. Get, get guns. Get as much ammo as you can. You know, in America here, we actually have a, we have a shortage on guns and ammo because everyone's buying them all, all at once. Same here. You know, we used to think that those people were crazy. You know, they're just, you know, they say, oh, those commies are coming for us. We got to lock and load. We used to laugh at them. You know, it's, it's fun. It's easy to call someone crazy until what their craziness turns out to be reality. So I put this episode out pointing out that white privilege not only is a myth, but the danger that we are about to encounter as a nation, as a world. We cannot let Marxism continue. We cannot let this happen. We last... <laughs> I thought we would have learned our lesson from last century with loss over a, of over a hundred million lives in the last century. I thought we would have all pulled our head out of our butt. I thought we would have all been awake. But apparently not. <laughs> they snuck into our universities. <laughs> they brainwashed our, our students to a large extent. Then our politicians reinforced it. We all bought the lie. Hook, line, and sinker. Well, now we have to recognize that we all bought a lie. Now we have to wake up to that. And realize that the devil's in the room. The monster's awoken. And I'd say, let's wake up American Monster. Let's stop being passive, passive or even passive-aggressive. If we're going to save our nation, we need to be like the Minutemen, the militia, and like the patriots of 4th of July, as 4th of July comes up right now. We need to stand firm against the enemy. We need to be soft as a dove, but cunning as a serpent. Love each other, but as a devil rises, we need to pick up the guns against them. But biggest of all, I think, is we need to be in prayer. Prayer to know what to do. Prayer to have wisdom and guidance. Persevere through this, coming up through this very difficult time, not just through a virus, but through what's going to come up next. I think that's what we need to do. I always encourage people that in the darkest of times, and here's the thing what I've learned. We are going to be in a very dark, dark time coming up. We're already in a dark, dark time. I think it's going to get darker. When you're rescuing somebody, the only difference between you and the person in the water drowning is the attitude that you have when you hit the water. We're all about to be into the storm. The waves are going to be crashing around us. We need to keep our attitudes to focus on Jesus and to focus on saving lives the only difference between us and the enemy 
the attitude we, in which we hit the water. They've been trained Marxist, as I said about that um, co-founder of Black Lives Matter. They've been trained. They know what to do. Are you trained? Are you? Do you have the guns ready? Do you have ammunition? Do you know how to shoot? Can you take apart your firearm? Can you clean it? Do you know tactical firing? You don't? You better get on it. So, I will leave you with this, as I always do. Remember, Christ loves you. He has a plan for us. We have a plan for our nation. If we repent and turn from our evil ways of Marxism, God will heal us and revive our lands. And last but not least, let's not pray that God is on our side. Let's pray that we are on God's side when it comes down to this. So until next time, may God richly bless you all, my dearly beloved.